and welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Um, another update on the McStay family murder trial. Um, this is a pretty brutal murder. Um, any What is the update exactly? Yeah, I think what we talked uh, probably last week about the, the trial is soon to get underway of uh, Joe, of uh, Charles Chase Merritt, who's the one now charged with the murder of this entire family, husband and wife and two small children, in 2010, and, and the bodies buried in shallow graves in the desert. So, yeah, so they're doing all these pre-trial kind of uh, hearings and whatnot. I think last time we talked, it was like the uh, lawyer for news media people was trying to get an okay to get the search warrants that were used to uh, bring the charges against Merritt to get those search warrants mm -hmm. released to the public. And so they have, or at least some of them have. And it's a little bit weird because there was an original figure given of 60 search warrants. That seems like a lot, you know? Yeah. Does he have like a lot of like uh, East Stort bins somewhere like, to, you know, for each body part or what's going on? Like uh, that? <laughs> it was like a search warrant for different places that he had been or lived or, oh. you know, people or warrants for his cell phone records and everything. So, but they said there were 60. 60 that, that number was a lot. Yeah. But I mean, when you're really trying to solve a serious murder, I guess it's not that weird. But anyway, 60, but it does seem like a lot. And but somehow that number got thrown out, and there's only like 33 search warrants that are being talked about now. And of those 33, only 29 were actually released. But a lot of interesting information did come out on the ones that were released. And the biggest sort of um, revelation from this is that the suspect, Charles Merritt, apparently owed uh, the victim the head of the family, Joseph McStay, owed him $30,000 of a gambling debt. Oh, well, why wasn't, I think, if let's recall this, let's go back in a Rayback machine. It, the, I think originally the murder was investigated by one department and then got handed to another, and then the person, the suspect on trial now, wasn't a suspect originally, but when this, when the um, child moved over to the new um Jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, exactly. It, then he became a suspect. So how did they miss at $30,000 before? That's a really good question. And that's, uh, you know, maybe that's the other 30 search warrants that we're not, being, <laughs> we're not privy to or have some information about that. But I think there could be some things, Heather, that may come out that are going to prove very embarrassing to uh, San Diego County. Because, see, it was originally San Diego County because... The, the family lived in Fallbrook. They disappeared, and that's in San Diego County. So that it came under the San, Di San Diego County uh, District Attorney's Office, and they uh, and, and their sheriff's department, and they didn't come up with anything. Yeah, didn't they... come up with a suspect, and, and Merritt was questioned and released, and then so when. The bodies were later found in the desert uh, in San Bernardino County. It got turned over to them. And unless there's something else going on we don't know about, it appears they've done a better job and at least have a, a suspect now. And But you're right. So they somehow found out about this $30,000 uh, gambling debt, which is like 
super red flag, right? That's a huge red flag. Uh, and, you know, why wasn't that found out before? And uh, so, but yeah, he, it, it, from the way it's worded, it seems that uh, Merritt had a $30,000 gambling debt, you know, probably a person with a gambling addiction and, and probably owed that money to some really scary people. Yeah, and, or, or uh, Las Vegas casinos or Indian tribes. It could be almost anybody he owed that to. Right, and so he borrowed the money uh, from um, Mixed Day, and uh, so he owed that money. So that, yeah, obviously, uh, 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 there's a motive there now. Yeah, right? because I don't think gambling debts could get discharged through bankruptcy. Well, and especially if you owe them to... Uh, you know, shady loan shark type people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got to pay that, or or you're going to end up in a shallow grave. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, anyway, that that's one of the biggest revelation to come out of this. But there's some other things as well. Um, uh, before Merritt got arrested and became an official suspect, uh, he was uh, said he was writing a book about the murders. Oh, well, just like our friend OJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of like what they're saying now, an investigator is saying, well, it's hard. We, we need a little bit more to go on, but it's hard to tell right now whether Merritt was uh, describing events from memory or fabricating <laughs> items to cover his involvement in these murders. I'm thinking more uh, the, the latter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but possibly both. Anyway, that that's pretty weird. And one of the other things was that they uh, got his cell phone records, which is normal for this type of investigation. Sure. And, they, and what happened is that he, uh, fe February 6, 2010, his cell phone pinged for uh, the desert burial sites. So that's the pretty solid piece of evidence there it that's a very good solid piece of evidence yeah so and the other thing is that that has come out with the info released from these search warrants is that there were two guys uh brothers uh, by the name of uh, kavanaugh their last name kavanaugh they were working uh, for uh, joseph mcstay as well and apparently Merritt didn't like these guys at all and, and was actually known to have said, if I were ever going to commit murder, it would be with him. Oh my God. Re referring to Kavanaugh, you know? Uh, so it's just a little, that's a pretty huge red flag there. There's someone to say, if I were ever going to commit murder, who, who speculates about that? Yeah. That that's one sentence that's never come out of my mouth. I mean, unless you were playing like a drinking game or something and it was put to you. Uh, yeah. Okay, if you were going to... A really dark... About... I was going to say a really dark version of Cards Against Humanity, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, kind of like that, but just, just to kind of uh, assertively say that on your own. Yeah. If I was going to murder somebody, you know, it just... Whoa, so you think about murdering people sometimes, <laughs> hmm. you know? <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm surprised Bill O'Reilly hasn't said that on the air. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm surprised. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's probably coming. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the, the search warrants uh, also, they, they looked at credit card use bank records of the mixed days, and they, they're not saying that anything really came out on that, but, uh, you know, you would think, well, maybe that Merritt was trying to get access to that to, to pay off, uh, I don't know, maybe he owed some other people some gambling debts, and it's, it's a little weird, but... Uh, I would just say, as I do with a lot of these things, let's stay tuned because this trial has, trial hasn't even started yet. There, for July 10th, which is coming up in a few days, there's going to be a hearing uh, to consider pre-trial motions. Sure. And then scheduled for August 7th is a hearing to determine whether both sides are ready for trial. And if they are, the trial will start on August 10th. So it's not, not too far off considering this is a really big trial. Yeah, it's really close. Um, a really freaky storm came through the Temecula Valley last week, and I think some really odd storms were coming through last weekend anyways, like in uh, Irvine during, um, I think, the 5 o'clock hour right before Race Ray's cooking exit aired last week. It started raining in the middle of the hot afternoon. Yeah, well, um, yeah, so I wasn't uh, kind of intimating that nothing happened in Orange County, but it, it just it, it hit us pretty hard here. I mean, I, I think a lot of Southern California, but... In, in the IE, and in particularly in the Temecula Valley where I live, it, it was crazy. I mean, it's normally this time of year, summer, uh, June, late June, July, August, it, it's just it's just hot. It's just really hot, and that's basically it. But this was, like, weird because it got kind of muggy, and then all these clouds moved in, and then, like, a serious, serious downpour. It didn't last very long, like maybe a half hour. But during that half hour, it was it was pounding really hard, and it was like in some areas it was like like a half an inch of rain in a half hour, which is a lot. It is a and lot for, for that short of time. And then there was just the crazy lightning, the the bolt fork lightning that we hardly ever see in California. Yeah. Usually it's just the flash lightning, mm -hmm. not where you see the fork. So that was pretty cool and the thunder. And and then, so like I said, rain for about a half hour and then it stopped. And then it was just really muggy for about another day. Just, you know, just that nasty, sticky feeling that we are usually pretty fortunate to avoid in Southern California. Yeah, we had it too in Orange County. It, it yeah. sounds like you had a wilder version of it. Yeah, we did, and we had a bunch of power outages, and uh, that. Uh, oh, and an actual lightning strike in, in I think it was Paris, yeah. where uh, it, it's caused some damage and some pretty strong winds right here in Murrieta, about thirty-three miles per hour, in Rainbow, which is just over the hill from us, just over the Rainbow, <laughs> is a little town. Forty-seven mile per hour winds. Whoa. That's quite a so bit. it was just really crazy for, a, you know, just a few hour period. And uh, it's just, I don't know, is this a result of global climate change? They're having these kind of weird summer storms that I, I don't remember much at all when I was a kid. Yeah, the the weather's definitely changing in Southern California. Um, a San Bernardino man is arrested for impersonating firefighter. This is his first go around at this kind of thing. He was once before convicted for impersonating a police officer. Um, how did he, I mean, when did he get caught? Was he entering a, a, you know, a building that was on fire? Did he get caught, you know, trying to slide the card, the key card in the fire room I, door and they wouldn't let him in? I mean, yeah, that that's all. I think what happened was that he was, there was this big fire up at, uh, by Big Bear. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. 
week or week or so ago, and uh, his uh, he uh, I guess wanted to be next to the fire and stole a, a car that could pass as a fire vehicle, and then um, stole or bought somehow a firefighter's uniform and wore that. And uh, so, I mean, at, on its own like that, it wouldn't be that big a story or that interesting. But the fact that he, two times before he's been busted for impersonating a police officer, so he's got some issues with identity and wanting to dress up and that kind of thing. He has come some kind of hero impulse that is not exactly healthy. Right. And uh, the guy's name is David Battle, which is kind of an interesting name. I don't know if he's battling kind of inner demons or something, but seems like there's some kind of battle going on in his head. And yeah, he actually served time for one of the convictions for impersonating a police officer. And there were a bunch of other things connected with that uh, crime spree. He's been involved in auto theft. And as I said, with this case here, he, he stole the car. So he had a, a car with stolen license plates and the car itself was stolen elsewhere. I was like going to say, did he did he get go to the trouble to get the exempt license plate to make it look more like a government yeah, vehicle? Exactly. Yeah, oh he my did. god! So this guy is like, and it it seems for the most part these crimes he's committing are not like making him a lot of money. It's like he's able to get into crime scenes or fire situations. It's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he gets some kind of yeah, he gets some kind of rush out of it. Right, and and I think uh, now they do say he's got some issues with drug abuse, which doesn't seem surprising. I'm gonna think maybe tweaker. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe some weirder drug, but uh, I hope he gets the help he needs. It yeah, seems like I mean, I don't know. Maybe he needs to go back to prison, but I think more likely he needs some uh, drug counseling and psychological counseling and get himself straightened out. Yeah, I was thinking it could be basalts, but then I at first then I refrained because if it was basalts, he would be fighting the fire and then he'd probably light himself on fire eventually. Um, so anyways, representatives of miracle, I'm sorry, I'll start again. Representatives of medical marijuana pot growers have filed a lawsuit against Riverside County over growing restrictions. And our friend Kevin Jeffries, who's for marijuana, but against marijuana because of the cartels, he's somehow finds his way into this story. Yeah, well, he was the one, I think, pushing this when we first talked about it, Kevin Jeffries. It just seems like, yeah, it's, he, he just seems like an odd character, uh, Riverside County Supervisor Jeffries. And he just is like, doesn't want to seem, well, he, I, I think he wants to seem like he's tough on crime, but sympathetic to medical marijuana. And he's trying to, like, tread this middle ground and... On one hand, that could be a noble thing, but it just seems like he's playing it a little too cute, you know? And it's always like, oh, yeah, I, I know medical marijuana is legal and I support people doing that. But kind of putting these things in place that is making it more difficult for medical marijuana users. But then he's, you know, but he definitely wants to seem like he's tough on crime. And that we have this problem with these big marijuana grows and they're connected with big cartels, drug cartels. And you're thinking, I mean, I guess that's possible, but he never offers any definitive proof that these are official drug cartels connected with these 
grows different places in, in Merced County. So anyway, they, he was instrumental in getting the county supervisor to pass, county supervisors to pass this, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ordinance? The ordinance, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> pass this <laughs> ordinance to uh, um, make, to limit the marijuana grows. And the thing is, what it does is that it, it says, yeah, it's okay. You can grow a few plants if you're a medical marijuana user, and there's a 12 plant per patient limit, which is more than enough for most people. And but the thing is, most not, not most people, but a lot of people who are medical marijuana users have some serious health issues, and just the whole process of getting, you know, growing the marijuana is is, is a lot for them, and they would rather just pay someone. And, and just pick it up. And that's why we have medical marijuana dispensaries, which there's only a couple of places in Riverside County where they're allowed outside of city limits. And, but that's still fine for a lot of people. And, but so this, uh, there are these medical marijuana dispensaries, they have their grows, their places where they, they grow their marijuana. And they're, I guess, like you'd say, maybe a small farm, but they get around limits on how much you can grow because what they say is that we've got this many members of our co-op. We have a thousand members. So there's 12 plants per person. So that's, we get to grow 12,000 plants. So, you know, it's very simple math. And because there's many people who just don't, they can't grow it. They don't have a place to grow it kind of thing. So yeah. this work. And so now these, some of these, Growers who have these little farms where they might be growing like 12,000 plants for a thousand patients in their co-op, they are illegal now under this new ordinance. And what they, so they filed a lawsuit saying, look, we don't agree with this, uh, that this ordinance, but if it's the law, it's the law, but you have to, you're applying it retroactively before you pass this. It was legal for us to grow this you know, let's say 12,000 plants. And so we are not ready to harvest these. We need a couple more months before we can harvest these plants. So you got to give us an allowance and let us harvest those. Do you want to implement it then and say no more of these type of farms? Fine. We don't like that. But if that's the law, that's the law. Yeah. But can't apply it retroactively. So we are, that's what our lawsuit is about. Allow us to harvest these and then we can take it from there. Well, the one thing I will say is like with 12,000 plants, you're achieving some kind of scale so that you have such a big enough place where it becomes cheaper to grow um, in individual plants. And if you, you know, if you have a grow that's maybe 900 to 600, you know, you have less staff and it probably gets a little bit more expensive. So um, I'm sure the prices are going to go up if this pro if this law passes as well. Well, I mean, it has passed. It's just a matter of if the lawsuit fails and they, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's and, But I, I think that the ultimate solution, of course, is that we just need to have full legalization yes. in California, like Colorado and Washington and will, uh, and I guess Oregon now, and that farms will just be allowed. You'll have to maybe get a license and everything else, but you can't be arrested and charged with a felony for at least by state authorities. I think that's on tap for 2016 ballot initiative. So we'll have to work on that. So anyways, um, Robert Larson, he comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. So thanks for joining me on the show this morning. It's been my pleasure. And of course, you are listening to The Heather McCoy Show. Cool. So, um, yeah, 